Hi, this is Jim Butcher. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Junk Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Sci-Fi FX Podcast and the Sci-Fi Junk uh, Dual Podcast. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. This is um, Sci-Fi Junk Podcast 21, Sci-Fi FX Podcast 142. And we are back with Troy for Season 2, the second half of The uh, Falling Skies. How you doing, Troy? Doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Been busy, but uh, other than that, I am uh, ready for some. Ready to get done with season two and get on to season three. Unfortunately, it's going to be a week or two for us, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. that's okay because it gives me the chance to slow down and absorb it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm going to be out to uh, where am I going? Rhode Island Comic Con. So we'll do that and then we'll come back and do our Falling Sky season 3. Anyway, I think where we left off was episode 6, which yep. is where things get extremely weird in episode 6. I don't remember how this episode started. My notes start by saying Weaver Freaks. Now, I know Weaver freaked out on this one because he, um, I mean, he loses it. But the big story in this one, if I remember correctly, is Karen. Yes. Basically what happens is that Hal and Maggie are out on patrol and they stumble across a mass grave full of naked de-harnessed kids. Oh, that's right. Oh, yes. And Karen is found among the corpses. Of course, the only one alive. Of course. Now, and, 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 I, and I, this was the one episode where I remember thinking, okay... If there's ever been a group of bells going off in my head saying, Warning, warning, warning. Um, this episode really had those sirens. And I, I had to question... I, I understand how it was his... His girlfriend. Yeah, you had and, the, that whole emotional thing going on. Yeah, and, and he, you know, he, he found her and... And blah, blah, blah. But it, the part that really bothered me about this one, and like I said, you know, when I, when I find something like this that bothers me, I try to mention it because there's so little about this series that really bothers me. <laughs> um, but I'm going to make sure I bring up every single one that does. Um, anyway, the part that bothered me about it was that he... All of a sudden, he's been taking up and defending his brother. They worked together while his dad was gone. You know, his, his, he's trying to stop his brother, brother from just butchering every single fish head and, and skitter that he finds. Um, and then this happens, and every red flag in the book is going off. You find a whole bunch of them. They're all dead except your ex-girlfriend. But she's um, been deharnessed. That's just been deharnessed, which we've already seen now. We we know that. Uh, crap, I, I lost my my names. Middle kid. Um, um, jeez. Ben. Ben, thank you. So we we had Ben and Rick have been deharnessed. Right. Ben turned out okay, more or less, and Rick went completely nuts right out of the gate. Couldn't wait to get back in the harness. And he, he's had a, he's had a turnaround since, but 
we now know that taking off the harness it can go either way. Well, and not only that, but you know, you think about it. Even when Ben was originally deharnessed, it, it took him some time to recover from it. Right. He he didn't get starved and dropped off on the side of the road. He didn't get um, deharnessed. Deharnessed it. You know, by uh, in this unusual way. Yeah. They, yet, they, there was basically there was like an opiate or something in their system that the harness was doing. So it's like if you tried to deharness them without lowering off that that drug effect, it would they basically the, die. Yeah, the withdrawal would cause them to have a heart attack and croak. So there was there's all that, but then but what annoyed me about it is that you know here's Ben saying, look, she's not who she thinks she's who she claims to be. He's and he's never done. You know, there's there's not been any signs of any of these. It, it, it always annoys me in, in TV series and shows like this, where someone keeps saying the sky is falling and the sky keeps falling and it keeps happening over and over and over. And no matter how many times I say it, just because they say it, nobody wants to believe them. Yeah, but Matt, on this show, they're not going to listen to you because it's falling skies. <laughs> no puns intended. <laughs> right. I <laughs> didn't catch that. That's pretty good. <laughs> But that was... <laughs> That's pretty funny, dude. Um, so, no, that, that that just kind of annoyed me that here he is. You know, he's been their, their early warning system for, for all this time. These two brothers have been fighting side by side, truly bonded after their dad disappeared and taking care of each other and watching each other's back. Yeah. And, and we know that Ben can hear Skitter Radio for all intents and purposes. Right. So if she's not harnessed, but she's still alive, that means that probably she didn't go through the same withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. We, and in addition and, to this, she's found on the roadside. She's she's barely alive. They yeah. throw her in a cage, and boop, she's better. So basically what, what we're seeing is if he can tell that she is not who she says, she's still got something in the harness on the inside. Right. So, so she's in constant communication. It's like she is wearing a harness, and that's and we know that's possible because Ben, when they get when they get, you know, they communicate with Ben. Exactly. So that was kind of the part that kind of annoyed me is that there was, in spite of all that, everyone said, "Oh no, how you can go in and visit with her? You can do whatever you want to do." Really? I mean, you knew his you knew his his judgment was. I think what what it was with with Hal was they were figuring if there is a chance that she's free of this, he would be the one that would be able to work that out, and if not, she, he'll be the first one that she puts the knife in the back, so they can intervene and say, okay, we we got to the bottom of this, good job. But it's going to look stupid, either way you put it. it it's going to look like nobody knows what they're doing. Except yeah. for Ben. <laughs> yeah, which which was kind of that that was a little annoying about this one. I mean, the the idea of it turned out to be a really good thing. Now, in the midst of all this, keep in mind they run across Pope. Yeah, and he's dragged back in town by um, Anthony, which, as we all know, Pope and Anthony were basically kicked out and I didn't catch it 
and, and unfortunately, I didn't rewind it to, to determine it. But did you did you catch him saying it sounded like they were on their way there to warn them of something? Yeah. What happened was Pope had encountered quote unquote a deharnessed girl, and said that this girl was capable of reaching into your head and forcing you to give answers. Ah, it was Karen. Bingo. Yeah. So. And so that was just basically. It's very disturbing. So here we have Pope is back. Um, and being necessary. And being necessary. Who knew? <laughs> again. Or should we should we say necessary again? Yeah. He has his moments. Weaver's tripping out. This is when Weaver has his breakdown, and he thinks that the the drugs have made him paranoid. And his yeah, he just hits the wall. Yeah, he he basically he, he loses it. He thinks you know he thinks everybody's out to get him. He um, just freaks. I guess that was a very accurate description. He freaks, and he just he locks up. Um, Tom. He locked him up. Mm. Was that this? That was this one, wasn't no. it? Tom? No, he he locked up Tom. Yeah, when he oh, freaked. No. Was that this one? Holy cow! I, I don't think it was. Sure, draw some parallels between them, though, can't we? Yeah, I, I, I don't think this was it because um, this is the one where he's in the bed and Tom's in charge. No, this isn't where right. He, where he locked right. Tom. This is the one where he's he he got bit by that um, um, that's that harnessed. Right. And the harnessed the harnessed bacteria has been growing in him, and they couldn't find a way to cure it, and blah blah blah. Right. Um, and you, we were talking about the, how the generator, where they had to pull his blood out, superheat it, and put it back in, but you had that on the wrong episode. Yes, we did. I think we talked about that in the fifth episode, and it actually happened in the sixth. Right. Yeah. So we take it all back about the fifth episode. We put that all in the sixth. <laughs> Which would work better if it wasn't in two podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Shh. Maybe no one notice. Um, you didn't see this. You didn't hear this. It does not exist. <laughs> this is not the mistakes you're looking for. Uh, move along. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, so they basically figure out a way to to take the blood out, heat it up to 105, kill all the bacteria off, cool the blood back off, put it back into Weaver, saves his life at the end of the episode. Um and basically, while this is going on, the Karen thing's going on, the Pope thing's going on, and... And Maggie gets wounded. And Maggie gets wounded? Karen, Karen ends up disarming Maggie, because Maggie's just going to hose her down. Oh, yeah. he t- hose, a, hose her with bullets. This is another one of those... This is another one of those Iron Man... Iron Man puts on his... Tries to see if he could fly moments, and smacks the wall. Yeah. And you wonder why he doesn't end up hurt. Well, Maggie ends up hurt. The way I would imagine that she Maggie would have Maggie is been. lucky to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie gets slammed against the wall. And... And the impact tears open stitches from an earlier gunshot wound. Yep. 
and she basically is is left for dead. And um, yeah, she she's bleeding out all over. Karen makes a break for it, and yeah. her and Ben go up to the rooftop where Hal's waiting. Which I'm assuming that Hal is on sentry duty. I think he just understands how uh, how they think on some level. <laughs> it's very convenient. <laughs> Plutonium. Pay no attention. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um. <laughs> Hal read the script and knew where they needed to be. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was there. He did what he had to do. Um. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, they jump down, they run away, and let's put it into episode six before we come up with any more mistakes. Well, well no, it, it gets better, because <laughs> Karen actually tries to get the brothers at each other's throats and tries to claim that Maggie tried to kill her. Yeah, I mean, little do we know in this entire time, you know, Karen Karen is nothing more than, than infiltrating the place, and you, you, you know it being a viewer. And, and you, just, you just know it. Yeah. I mean, you, you know there's a small piece of you who says, well, maybe this is happening. At the same time, you're also saying, Hal, what the hell are you doing? You know, you're... you're, you're it's one of those yelling at the screen kind of episodes. Yeah. I mean, from... Don't from, go in there! <laughs> no, let's go hide behind the chainsaws. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're saying it from multiple standpoints, too. You're also saying, hey, Hal, look, Hal... You, you know, that girlfriend's gone, you've got a new girlfriend, and here you are, you know, crying in your pillow over the first girlfriend with the second girlfriend. Um, you've got your brother telling you that, you know, say, hey, she's a wacko, and she's not right, and she's not who she seems to be, and you ignore it. And, you know, you got Pulp saying, hey, da-da-da-da, and you ignore it. And what happens... Hal gets knocked down. She takes Ben and leaves. Tom is gazing off into the woods. Yeah, and what's what's yeah? Cause, I mean, Tom goes up there to, to to run after him, of course, and you know he's like, oh. yeah. He he puts the pieces together from Pope and goes, oh crap. Now, I I, I was also a little disturbed by the by the easy. And, and maybe you'll maybe you'll explain this. Maybe you thought there was some mind control or some manipulation on a different level, but it seemed awful easy for Karen to manipulate Ben. I, I think with with uh, with Ben, it was, it was one of those cases where she she he wanted to believe. It's basically what it came down to. She I mean, said. She did. To, she did to Ben exactly what she did to Hal. She put the emotional hooks in and told him exactly what he wanted to hear. Said, "Look, we're we're going after the the rebel skitters. We're going to join up. We're going to take these fish heads. I want vengeance, just like you." And he bought it hook, line, and sinker. He, he did. But you know, coming from where we were at the beginning of the episode, where he's the one saying, "Hey, she's not right. Hey, I." I yeah, can tell, yeah. hey, blah, blah, hey, well, maybe I can get in her pants kind of attitude. It was it was that kind of a manipulation is, what I, is, is how I felt it. Yeah, he's got this habit of chasing after his brother's girlfriends. 
Well, and, and I don't necessarily mean it in the fashion that he was going after her in that way. I'm just saying the manipulation felt like that type of manipulation of, you know, batter eyes and and all that. And he was doing it just because, you know, she's a pretty girl and and, and he's of the right age. Which, if he hadn't been so damn adamant and against it at the very beginning, it wouldn't bother me any at all. Yeah, I think it's one of those where over over time she was able to convince him that she was just like him. Yeah, I guess I... And, you know, when you think about it, he's he's in an extreme survival situation and alone on top of all that. Even amongst his own kind, he is alone. So the idea that somebody out there can be like him and know what he's going through, that's very appealing. Yeah. And she's just as eager to take the fight to, uh, back uh, back to against the aliens... Come on. Yeah, well, I mean, and she did say, you know, I knew exactly what to say, exactly how to do it, exactly what to do, exactly how to yeah. manipulate to make, you know. I mean, it, it was it was right out of the Machiavellian playbook. It was right out of the what playbook? The Machiavellian playbook. You've never read Machiavelli? No. The Prince? No. Oh. Nope. Do you even know what that is? Nope. Have you ever heard of the Borgias? Nope. Uh, okay, well, we'll pretend this isn't a history podcast and move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, that puts an end to episode six. I mean, it's basically she's come, she's done her damage. And she left with Ben, with the intentions of taking Ben to lead her to the rebels. That was that was the whole task at hand here. They yep. wanted to find the rebels and kill them and wipe them out so that they would never cause them any more trouble. And they led Ben. She led Ben straight to the Overlord. And she led Ben straight to the Overlord, which. Really, when you think about it, it was a little counterproductive. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why she took him there. Why didn't she just go to the rebels? Where was did she lead Ben to the to the to them, or did he lead to them because he could sense well, them? Well, she was trying to get him to lead her to the rebels, and she was basically interrogating him the entire way through the woods, even though it wasn't really an interrogation. More one of those, what do you think? What can you tell me about this? And yeah. He just, no control, just told her everything. And she's like, thanks, that's exactly what we needed to hear. You rebel scum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you rebel scum. <laughs> you know, we've, we've got two Star Wars references. Now we're going to go for a couple of Doctor Who ones just to make Carl happy. Um, if he wants to be happy, he can join us on a podcast. <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Now, <laughs> we get to, you know, understanding the significance of Episode 7. They, The entire time it was happening, this is the one where they catch the fish head. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure I remember how. Um, well, 
was it? Did they have the fight right there at the at the end where Karen led them there, and they had this big fight, and they end up with the fish head, right? That's yeah, it was, it, was. it was right at the beginning, basically. Yeah. So, so right at the beginning, they catch the fish head. Um, yeah, it's like Karen sprung the trap. The Overlord and and the and their skitters surrounded Ben, and then Tom and his guys surrounded them because he was right on their heels. And so there's this big shootout and blah blah blah. And what ends up happening is the fish head tries to you know duck and run, and uh, he gets outwitted by by Tom and his guys, and they end up capturing him. Now. Yep. What you didn't know while you were watching it is his significance. Now, personally, once they got back to their fort and they're, you know, they're worried about having enough food and they're worried about getting out of their thing and they're worried about being caged in and they're worried about these people coming to them, Karen shows up and says, you know, we're going to give you some time to get out and release him and we'll... At that point, I was standing up and screaming at the TV saying, put a gun to his head and tell him if they do anything, you're going to shoot him. And I don't understand how they missed the significance of this guy. I'm surprised they even cared. They they've seen what you know, what good interrogating a skitter is. Why would they think the Overlord would be less dangerous? I, I I'm just surprised that they didn't. I mean, this is basic war 101. You you get you know this is the reason that you know. Uniforms don't have in, in ranks, and you don't salute people in the in the field and that kind of stuff. I mean, this is you don't you don't point out your your generals and your colonels. Well, right, but in this case, just the fact that he's an overlord meant he was an officer. Right, and so you know, and you have him in custody, and you don't understand the significance of it. That's the part that that just is mind-boggling to me. I could understand no. if Tom didn't know. I mean, if you if you think about it, just because he's an overlord, I mean, do they have a general, or do they have a major, or do they have a captain? You don't know. I I don't know because at this point, you know, because you're Tom, that this is the guy's ship that you were on. You also know that for an entire season, you only saw one of these dudes, and they didn't even want you to see him. See, and that's the problem I had with with it right there. It's like you've only seen the one. You assume they're all the same guy. Go and, for it. <laughs> but and it, but so the, the the rarity makes the significance of it so much more than it is, and it's also it, it, there was all kinds of little hints, and this is one of those things where the you go back to the writing and how good it is. There was all kinds of these little hints as you're watching, and they weren't picking up on any of them. Let's go hide behind the chainsaws, please. Yeah, the, the only thing you can almost figure is that just by by virtue of the stuff they've gone through, they're clearly not firing on all brain cells. Well, they were tired. They had exhaustion been... has to take a has to take a toll somewhere. Yeah, but no, that can can't be that. the crutch. That cannot be the story crutch, especially I... this often. <laughs> Well, I just I thought it was a, and this is a sign of of the story has been going on for quite a bit longer now, and I think they have taken a couple of liberties in order to move things along and haven't quite maintained the. As I said when we started this season two, I'm not quite sure that season two is as good and as complete and as well written as season one. It's still enormously good. Don't get me wrong. 
Yeah, it kicks it up to the next level, but they took a few freedoms that maybe they shouldn't have. Right. And this is another one of those. There's no way you could tell me of any form or fashion that Weaver, being through what he's been through, didn't understand the significance of that fish head. Period. The end. I can't. I won't believe it. Well, I he, recognize he under, it. He understands the value of a prisoner. Right. He also understands that, unlike the Skitters, you can communicate with the overlords. So, if that was the case, he, he you know, now... Ben seemed to figure it out after a while, and then he came up with this way to let him live, which made no sense to me in the first place. I'd have blown him up anyway. Yeah, it's just drawing out the plot. They, they had to keep him alive long enough for the skitters to show up in a pincer tactic and, and surround the hospital. Well, I'm okay with that. I'm just not okay with the way they used him after it was all said and done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the fact is, you know he can communicate. You know he can transmit communications. You know he can work with it. You stick a gun to his head. You strap a bunch of dynamite around his waist. You pull, yeah, just, a, you pull a hand, you pull a trigger on a couple of people, and you walk out in the middle of them and say, look, we're leaving. And if we smell you, see you, or hear you in the next two or three days, we're going to let go of the trigger, and you're going to blow up. And you know what? If they say, screw you and start shooting, oh, well, then you're not any worse off than you were before. <laughs> right? Pretty much. So, I mean, it's one thing, like, if you had the time to sit there and, and interrogate, that would be one thing. But just the fact that you left him alive meant that he's sending out a signal to everybody saying, hey, this is where the bad guys are. Come get now, him. I don't know about you, but I, I was a little disturbed by the bugs and the spiders. <laughs> well, they're supposed to be disturbing. That's the point. <laughs> that was that was freaking creepy. <laughs> it really was. And and the fact that she had never seen them up to this point uh, that bugged me for the fact that okay, this was a fairly significant weapon. I don't know why they hadn't used it before, but I didn't see that out of the realms because they'd never been surrounded before. Well, they haven't needed them before. This is the next right. level of tech. Yeah, you know, the, the nature of the battlefield is the technology will always evolve, unless it's Star Wars. And, and you know what's really sad <laughs> is here we are. You know, we're we're, we're over episode six, and. Um, at the very bottom of episode 7, it says Ben takes off. Oh, that's because he takes off on his own. He leaves to be on his own. He knows they're not ever going to leave him alone if he stays there. Okay, never mind. I take it all back. Yeah, ba basically that was... He takes off again is what I That was wrote. making sure that they could get to Charleston without him being a, being a bright beacon. Saying, here we are. Yeah, because all of this happened, if you think about it, Charleston... Knowing the knowledge of Charleston had happened back in, uh, wow, back in episode three. So here we are, you know, one, two, three, four, five episodes later, and they're just now getting around to being able to do something about leaving to go to Charleston. And yeah, they've been kind of holed up. Yeah, no, they've been definitely holed up. See now they don't really have a point because their their nice little base of operations were 
they got comfortable and lazy, they got surrounded. So, got sloppy. I'm not sure lazy is the word. I think uh, sloppy. I mean, it, it's it's typical siege warfare. Yeah. You know, you you sit in one spot and you just you get complacent. Yeah. And you know, Weaver called them out on it. Weaver was the one who did it when when Tom was gone. Yeah, but that that's his whole thing. When they decide to move out, was he says, "Look, we're getting sloppy." Yep, we're getting complacent. Well, after after he finally got better and he finally recovered, and, and the whole thing with you know Tom was fixed and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he came back and he came back pretty strong. Um, but. I mean, with this this episode, the, the the really creepy thing was is the the, the bugs and the spiders. I I thought it was a little sloppy, also that they had all that stuff going on down in the basement, and nobody was pay, nobody was paying attention to it, and blah blah blah. They either knew there was a route in from down there, or they didn't. And, you know, that kind of bothered me that they left it completely unguarded, and they are like, oh, we'll send a gu- one guy down to uh, here. You know, take this uh, 12-year-old kid down to guard you. Well, if you need a 12-year-old kid, then you obviously knew there was a hole in the back door. Well, it's good they had him, because he, they yes. needed to sh- send him through the vents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Save us all, Matt. Um, so, but the spiders and the bugs were... Or a little creepy, and, yep. and, and we lost tell... Jamil. We, we lost Jamil. Yes, we did. We were just starting to get to know him, and we lost him. Yeah. And Jamil, I, I don't him. want that to happen to me. No, I'm just saying. No, and and for for yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you're a Walking Dead watcher, but uh, we had something very similar to that. Happened in Walking Dead this past week, also. So no, don't want that to happen. So then, uh, his girlfriend Lourdes is freaking out all over the place, and she's giving up hope. Yeah. Which, so so she's been for what is this? Twelve, ten, ten plus seven, seventeen episodes. She's been the uh, the little um. What do you want to call it? Ray she's basically sunshine, been the candle but... in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's the one that's been keeping that lantern of faith lit. And, yeah, it's it's the old story. You know, the the brightest candle is the one that gets snuffed out first. Yeah, and she she definitely got someone 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 poo pooed on her candle. Yeah, that, that pendulum swung fast the other way. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It was. Pretty, uh, pretty, then, it's pretty ugly. Then we we lost somebody on the front lines. Was it Boone? Mm, I don't know. Karen executed a guy. You know, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's Boone. Let me hold on. Yeah, do my notes. It's Boone. She basically executed him and told Weaver said that more of that's going to happen if they don't respond. Oh yeah, standing out in front of them and yeah, 
I, th I think that would have been the one that, that, yeah, that would have probably been the one that they. I mean, they played it really well. The aliens played that that the the insignificance of that guy really well. I just think they should have known it. I think they should have recognized it, or at least suspected it, and and tried some kind of bluff to determine the 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 value of the target they had. We have no idea he can be important. He wears no uniform. Yeah. Yeah. We've only seen one, and he's in control of all the skitters on my planet, and hmm. Yeah, he's not a skitter. Get him. He's <laughs> probably not very important, though, so let's just not worry about it. Um, now, after all that's done, the, the, the next episode, episode number eight, really kind of threw me off. I mean, I, the only thing I can think of is that Matt's... Matt's agent renegotiated for him to have more screen time and more significant role in the in the series. Well, you know, the, you got a, a rotating cast. You kind of got to you got to do that. But th I mean, this whole episode was basically it's just character building before we get to Charleston. Yeah. Um. Because we, I mean, we get we get more information on Tector. Find out, you know, um, Weaver finds out that that he's basically he's a Marine, he's a gunnery sergeant. Yeah. Now was that is, that's in the ride towards? Yeah that that whole episode is nothing but the trek to Charleston. And Weaver sussed him out good. That was that was kind of clever about <laughs> another way he did that. But you could tell, and, and and that's that's the thing about Weaver that really made that's the part that made the the previous episode so difficult for me to understand how he didn't catch it because he sniffed this guy out, yeah, recognizing the small pieces of his of his attitude and his personality to, to you know to know that he was a a gunnery sergeant and had that special training and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like you're not a standard on the line soldier. You're, you've had something something else given. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, what 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 else was happening on this one? We this had, one was all uh, about Matt and the, I wrote little girl. What what did I write? Little girl. Okay, the, the little girl. They they find her, and she uh, she was harnessed. And Matt meets with her in the back of the bus. And right, and he makes friends with her, and their bro her brother is following them. Yeah, he comes and rescues them and everything. But, I mean, this one was... Yeah. Now, it was kind of weird in that case, because obviously they were... I don't know if that was if that was a case. I, I strongly felt when I wrote the notes for this that this episode was just... Let's tell a story about Matt. Now, I guess looking back at it, maybe it was let's let's tell a story about you know the fact that that not all skitters are doomed to control anymore. Well, in this case, the the her harness she, when the when the convoy hit her, it disabled the harness. Right, which should have killed her by the drugs not being induced, but. That's another story. Yeah, see, 
that, that's something else. I mean, did did she end up getting taken back to the to the to the main group and reharnessed, or how had that work? Uh, I don't know. It it didn't really say. Like I said, it left me with a really strong impression that it was okay. Here's a story about Matt because we don't have one. You know, yeah. he's just his little kid here. But yeah, we need something about him. So let's just write an episode that's all about Matt and everything going on in Matt's little mind and all that kind of stuff and give him some heartache. And and. But we got to see character growth. And you know, if he's having this kind of growth, everybody else is too. Yeah, he is. No, there's no question that he is. He's definitely having it. It just didn't have the... And and, and fortunately, from, from what I remember... Season 2 is probably the weakest of all the seasons in this series, in my opinion. And Which so, really isn't saying much. It, no, it isn't, because <laughs> it, it's extremely good still, but th- these problems we're having with these four or five episodes right here in a row, that's about it. That's about all there's Yeah, this, this is the saggy middle. Yeah, it really is. And, and they, they like this one, it really, to me, it felt like they threw it in to, you know, Okay, let's 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 throw something in about Matt, and let's let's eat up another episode, and let's because I can't go back and and isolate what any of it really meant to the whole story. It was just well, an independent story that could have tossed well, in the trash can. Part, here's where part of it does actually link up, because Matt let it slip that they were on their way to Charleston. See, the bugs didn't know that. Yeah, but I didn't get the impression that that the kid that the two kids were part of the alien forces. I got well, that, the, that's what I'm saying. She was harnessed when when they uh, when they hit her, it disabled the harness. So when she and Matt are conversing like normal human beings, he uh, he lets it slip that they're on their way to Charleston. But she's not with them at the end of this. No, she leaves. Her, her so, brother comes and rescues right. her. Right. So what probably happened was that's how that information got back to the Skidders. Maybe. I I wasn't under the impression that those two were under the control of the Skidder Empire. I was under the impression that those two were resistant and I don't weren't necessarily book. part of the rebel forces. They were just part of their leave us to hell alone, we want to stay alive forces. I, I think they were part of the main group. Could be. But, I, I, I'd have to see it again to, but to I, do I it. Think, but, I think her brother's protective instincts kicked in, though. Yeah. But it was... It's it, it, so far in the, entire, in the entire series, I have to say, that, that by far that's been, that was the weakest episode. And it was still decent. It was just—it's just character building. Yeah, it was just character it, it building. Did, but it, it wasn't done in its, in its typical fashion of it. It did it in a typical way of character building, where you knew that's what was going on, as opposed to just telling you a good story in the process and you learning. Yeah, people. This is the part in the, in the Indiana Jones movies where they're showing the red line going across the map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is why they do that. <laughs> this is a this is the same part where you know when we were learning about Pope originally that they were in their in in their hideout and they're having the discussion and they're talking you know 
and all that was just awesome part of the series and him being captured and him trying to get loose and and Pope trying to figure out who they were and trying to steal their Jeep and there's all this good stuff going on around it but really that was about us learning about Pope and and uh, Tom and starting their relationship that's what that was about it was about that character building this was yeah, done the same way um, but it was much weaker ooh the harness was reactivated. I got that in my notes. Because that's when she broke the restraints and, and ran off. Oh, okay. Well, that would make sense. So he... even Yeah, so he got close and he took over and... and uh, yeah, alright. Well, I can see that. It's... it's That... That didn't change much, though. I mean, it really was... Um, well, no, it means that she's going back to the, to the main group with that information that... They're going to Charleston. Now, whether or not that means anything to them, that's something else. But I guess they could probably get that meaning out of, the, out of their harness kids. Yeah. Okay, so what, what else happened in this episode? We, we have uh, Maggie's finally telling her story. And yeah. she was previously a heroin addict. And she was breaking into, into homes for her boyfriend for things to sell. She got caught, went to prison, found out she was three months pregnant, carried the baby to term, but didn't see him after that. So we got a lot of baggage on Maggie. Um, Which, of course, Ben handled like a pro. Yeah, he really did. (laughs) Actually, Ben handled it like the kid he was, which is exactly what pissed her off. Oh yeah. He just doesn't he just doesn't get it. I've never seen anybody so with so many girls and get nowhere in my entire life. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> uh, he's a ladies idiot, that's what he is. But <laughs> that that's why they keep swarming. He's clueless. Well, fortunately, he keeps bringing him in for his brother. Pretty much. <laughs> I don't know what else happened in this one. Okay, wrote... uh, Tector, when, when he's talking to Weaver, he said that he doesn't want to stay in Charleston. Because he's got that whole thing about being a failed Marine. Yeah. And that's when they find out... No, Weaver says that the deaths weren't his fault... And then they slam on the brakes and find out that Charleston is in rubbles. It's like yep. the city's just gone. <laughs> the bridge is blown up that leads over the bridge into, into Charleston, and the city looks like it's been bombed with B-52s for the last six months. Pretty much. It looked pretty bad. That sinking feeling. And that, yeah. That's where they left the episode, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. And because um, the the next episode, that's where Colonel Porter shows up right out of right at the beginning. Now I, I have to say, in the next one, I, I wrote down I wrote this little note down, and, and uh, I wish I had remembered it happening. But uh, apparently, Matt was wearing a Star Wars shirt. Yes. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> Funny the things you catch, huh? 
Dude, I will always see that logo. <laughs> that, that that thing just stands out to me. Yeah. And Charleston obviously is not all of what it seems. Um, unfortunately, the human race is such that it'll play politics into the day we're extinct. Um, oh, that's so true. So you have a leader, and I did not write down his name. Um, his name was uh, Arthur Manchester. Arthur he, Manchester, which yeah, is he, basically a... Go ahead. He, he, he's Tom's old mentor and professor. And oh yeah, I did write down a name, Doctor Manchester. Um, he he's basically crafted a new a new. Um, he's trying to play Hitler. Yeah, um, but he, he, he he got voted in, and he's trying to gain absolute power. Yeah, I mean, he, but he's what he's what he's claiming he's doing. He's creating the United States and getting rid of all the mistakes that we made and making sure that everything's perfect and blah blah blah. What he's actually doing is he's playing the leader and and even though he technically says that he's doing you know doing it the right way, he's turning into Hitler for all yeah, practical he, purposes. He's he's losing. He's losing out on the ability to fight the war. It's like he's he's rather keep them in hiding, even though that's a losing proposition. The military guy, um, I'm trying to Rest, remember his name. Bressler? Yeah. Bress. It was uh, Bressler. General Bressler. Yeah, yeah Matt Furrer's character. He is basically, he's lost his spine because he's trying not to do the whole um, martial law thing. But I think he's just kind of waiting it out to see if there's actually a better leader. Hard to say. But he wants to take the fight out. Yeah, but he's 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 not a very he, he's your typical general that got there in the wrong fashion and didn't get there on his yeah. real skills. Yeah, he, he he's got to be the guy that you know he had family connections or something and rode a desk all the way to the top in dreams of glory. Yeah, because he was—he's he, definitely weak in the in the all aspects of of common sense. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Very—it um, was very frustrating, is what he is. Yeah, I tell you, it was—it was brilliant though when they were doing the the speech because you got Jeannie, she's back, uh, Weaver's kid. Yeah, so when the, they get and, there, when they get to Charleston, of course, Jeannie's part of the group and she she and everybody else are telling them say you know not everything is as it seems watch out for these guys don't let them disarm you of course that's the first thing to do is they confiscate all the weapons and redistribute yeah, well, well of, of course the first thing they do is ignore all the people that are saying things that they've said before and they were right before and go on about your business it just yeah it, Red flag. Yeah. Red flag. Red flag. Oh, hey, yeah. let's ignore the red flags. Yeah. <laughs> and, and thus the middle part of season, you know, the middle to the end piece of season two. This is just, it seems to be a theme here. It was a little, it'd be interesting to know if there was some, a lot of this, a lot of this series, from my understanding, was planned out was going to, what was going to happen before it all took place. Yeah, it's like this, uh, this season is all about, Overcoming willful ignorance. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. And maybe it was. Maybe that's exactly what it was. And, and then again, you know, maybe it was, well, we've really got four good series seasons here. Let's just throw some crap in the middle to make it five. I mean, I have to believe it made sense at the time. But the, the nice thing about it, though, this episode you actually get character building and plot building. Because they, they do that whole uh, that whole thing about this is why you should elect me and yada 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 and and Manchester's trying to get Tom to speak on his side because you know like bona fide war hero Andy's my friend this is in the bag and Tom whips out the the guy's old book and reads from it and just <laughs> basically undermines everything reads a I quote that, that basically yeah. says if you, you you sit on your butt and do nothing you're going to lose yeah <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that that is like the greatest moment of this season, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, careful, careful what you ask for when you're asking, you know, a history teacher to uh, who respected yeah. you and, and knows your stuff odds, inside now. What are the odds a history teacher is going to remember some profound quote? Well, but the, <laughs> the fact is that you know it's it's one of those things where that I didn't it didn't bother me at all that he did because. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what history knowing each other. Do. Yeah. That's what history people do. Yep. Yeah. Just, and and what was what was ironic about it is that he had given him that was the book that he gave him when he showed up that day. Yeah. He goes into his office <laughs> and there's like these stacks of books everywhere. I mean that that's a little treasure trove of human knowledge right there. And it's like, oh your old book, yeah. Go ahead and have it. In fact, I'll autograph it for you. Yeah, it's <laughs> and then later you can use it against me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was. I mean, it's it's smacked of. I mean, the only way it could have been better is like you know, if they'd been fighting like like if Thomas Jefferson basically said, "Hey, we're going to accept slave chains today, and we're we're going to join back with Britain," and they said, Tom, uh, you remember this Declaration of Independence you signed? You, you wrote this, right? <laughs> you know, it, was, it was that kind of thing. Hello? Yeah. No, it was it was exactly that kind of thing. Um, it... it it, but it was it was that was one of that was this is when the writing starts to get good again. It, they started yeah. to turn it around here, because that moment of him getting up on stage and him starting to 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 say to say you know good things about him and he says you know I wish I could stop there. See, I have a theory about this. They knew Terry O'Quinn was going to be in this episode, and that guy is impervious to a bad performance. So I think they pulled all their writers onto this and said, make sure that this episode is awesome. It could be. Um, and it's one thing that that doesn't make any sense to me, and it happens over and over. It happened in this episode here. It it, it happened. It happened in in in, in Walking Dead. It's happened in. Um, Another series, which I'll remember here in a minute, and, and mention it also. But it always seems to me that there's always this this whacked out rule that whenever people are struggling for their life and trying to stay alive, and 
put up a chain link fence around the world to keep them out that everybody needs to be disarmed what the hell are you thinking that's usually how it works it's just it's 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 that, that's every that time honored tradition the way it works is in, but in, in any society other than the big, the good old US of A if anywhere in history anybody that carries a weapon had to be licensed uh, if you go back to the Middle Ages, the knights were the ones who could carry the weapons. No, I understand that, but when, but but when your world is being invaded by aliens, you're you're forced to live underground in in silos, hidden under a city that's been blown to bits. Oh yeah. Or you're living in an old prison because you can no longer, uh, or an old town that's blocked yeah, off they, by cars, and well, the you idea don't give up your freaking guns right the, the idea behind that is that hey we've got this little pocket of civilization and to keep people from going all mad dog on us we're going to lock up the weapons until such a time as we need them and the idea is that we won't need them because we're hiding so effectively and and it happens every time they take your guns away from you and uh-huh. the, the 100 that's what it was in the 100, the same damn thing happened there. They took yep. their guns away when they were when they were in this secured area. We don't want people having guns where they could actually fight back if the aliens attack now. Um, it's it's stan- just, standard political policy. It's well, Benjamin Franklin. The, he who sacrifices freedom for security deserves neither. Exactly, and that is exactly what's going on. It, it, is, it happens every single time. I just... I, I'm hoping that someday you're going to see something where they stop doing that. I mean, it, it just... Nope. You're never going to see that. It's, can, it's classic, classic trick. And I can understand, hey, if the war's over and you know it is done, there's no more threat, blah, blah, blah. But, geez, you still got you know people guarding your doors and afraid for... Oh, geez, just, it's stupid. It's just stupid. Well, what it is... You heard it here not- first. It's just stupid. What what it is though is you got a power struggle at the top. This keeps uh, this keeps the people at the top that are struggling in the power, thinking that they're safe from an assassination. And and this I guess is exactly the same argument that a lot of our population uses to to yeah. to prevent gun control is this kind of stupid crap right here because That's you take exactly the guns it. away from the people and then they no longer have a way to fight to fight back. That's exactly it. And the idiots rule the roost, and there's nothing you can do about it, short of what actually happened here. Mm-hmm. Where the general decides, you know what? Uh, we're not doing this anymore. I'm going to be the leader now. And he was basically talked into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he was an idiot. I mean, he is he really is a, an idiot. But you know what? That The casting on that was just so damn good. I, I tell you, Matt oh. Brewer really surprises me, because you know, I grew up in the day, he was Max Headroom. You know? Yeah. And that guy has some dramatic chops on him when he wants to. I, and he, I mean, as messed up as his character is, he played that to the hilt. He did. He Every single bit of casting in this series had absolutely no ups and downs. Every character has just been spot on. Yeah. It really has. From, you know, the the, the, the smallest of kid kids to the biggest characters. They're they're all just 
awesome. Every one of them. Yeah. But man, that general was a dumbass. <laughs> God, there's just no other explanation. And this is like two or three episodes in a row where you're just kind of throwing up your hands and going. And I'm very fortunate that I missed the first couple seasons. Because this would have been very difficult waiting week to week to see these episodes. It would have yeah. been very hard to swallow this seven or eight... This, well, I wouldn't say seven or eight. These, let's say, five episodes here in a row with the the quantity of... I'm not saying it would have prevented me from watching it because I've watched a whole lot worse. I'm not one of those people who give up real easily when things go sour on a TV show like this. Well, that's the thing. I mean, even, with, even when the characters are making horrible mistakes there's like you say they've got a perfect cast here these guys are so charismatic yeah they they practically beg you to come back week after week yeah this would have been difficult though um i do know that you know when i start to lose interest in a series and and like let's 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 talk examples recently doctor who has been difficult to kind of swallow recently and that's been a downhill slide for a while now no, but you know I liked it when when Matt Smith was there. I liked Matt Smith. I loved David Tennant. I love I, I, all of them in there. I, I loved. I, and this it, recently though, it has just been really difficult to. Um, and not that I don't watch it, but you know what? I see it on the TiVo, and there's one episode in TiVo, and then there's two episodes on TiVo, and then there's three episodes in TiVo, and it's kind of like, eh, do you want to watch this? No, what else is there? And the further it goes, the more of a punishment it seems to have to watch and them. It's exactly what it is. The further it goes, <laughs> the more punishment it is it seems to have to, to, to sit down and watch them. Now, eventually, it'll be some late night. I'll have nothing else to do. I'll really be in the mood for some Doctor Who, and I'll sit down and power through them all. And for better or for worse, I'll make it through, and a new Doctor will come along. And we know Claire is going to be gone by the end of the season, so... You know, all this will change and it'll be reborn. It's not you know? the character; it's the showrunner. Well, that he's that, insane. That that I will absolutely agree with. I I loved Claire when she was with Matt Smith. I hate her when she's with with um. What's she is she is the epitome of everything that's wrong with that series. She the was special she companion is now. to end. Yeah, she wasn't. She is now because now she's the special companion with her wings clipped. It just you know you no. can't you can't have it both ways. She either they've is had, or she isn't. They've had too many special companions. Yep, they have. Th- this was a bridge too far right from the beginning with her. Well, either way, wrong subject. Back back on. Well, you did nine. say you wanted to talk some Doctor Who. <laughs> oh wow, I did that really elegantly, didn't I? I just wish you I did did it intentionally. I mean, I did that <laughs> so intentionally, and we didn't even know it happened. Um, this is what happens when you talk geekdom. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. One thing slides to the next. So, episode nine, I felt, in my mind, that this episode was the beginning of the second half, and the lull was over, the sour piece was over, that if I was watching it in TiVo, this is where I would sit up on my chair and say, holy shit, it's back. This episode was all about setting up the pieces you knew were going to fall in the season finale. Right. Set up the dominoes, knock them over. Yeah. So, let's take it to episode 10, because episode 10 has some really cool stuff in it. Yeah, so we've got Manchester has been overthrown, Brussels in control. 
Well, Manchester's been overthrown by by Blesser, but Blesser is a half-ass panty waist. So. Yeah, and he basically tells Tom, says, if you're going to meet up with your rebel skitters, it's now or never. And Tom says no. And and, and he sends off a, a a side attack after the rebels. Yeah, I remember that too. He he actually launched he launched a, he went out and said, hey, you know where they are? Go out there and get them. Shot yeah, up a bunch and of then the, the, and then the rebel skitters show up. Yeah, they just surround the whole thing on the inside. Yeah, Russ just... was like, you know, he he's ordering all of them to be shot. And Tom, uh, Tom, and the second mass show up, and they're like, no, 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 and they start actually well, doing the human body shield. He had already declared martial law and had the second mass in this group of people that were going to that they were no longer allowing to coerce in in their little city. And those people started walking away and, and protecting them. Yeah. They were now, like, well, if you're going to shoot them, you're going to shoot us. And now, here, here's what amazes me. Okay. Tom is an American history professor from Boston. Okay. I'm sure he's heard of this little thing called the Boston Massacre. By setting the second mass up with this human shield thing to protect the rebel skitters, he's inviting that exact situation to unfold. It only takes one stupid shot from a soldier. Yeah, but what were the alternatives? He knew the only the only way they were going to win this war. He knew it. At this yeah. point, the only the only real achievements they've made up to this point is a they've created bullets that only work when they seem to not be in the guns of right. of, see, of uh, clones. Right. I mean, see, this me. is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, it, it's like he he understood this is what the potential was, but he was counting on the military guys to actually know that history. But you know, I don't think it's he was like, counting was almost, on it because I, it was like a dare. He was saying, you know, if you shoot us, your own people are going to come after you next. Yeah, but you could see it. And he knew, and and they, the, and this is where the writers were really brilliant again. Because if you think about it, there were several times when the the people under Kessner really weren't comfortable with doing what they were doing to civilians. Yeah, they just they weren't comfortable with it. So I think he knew. It's like, yeah, Tom was ratcheting it up, saying, "Look, this is wrong. You have the chance to do the right thing here." And he just kept ramping it up to where it was like any decision that Brussler made at that point would demonstrate how wrong he was. Correct. If he if he shot them, then that's fine. They would probably kill him afterwards. If he didn't shoot them, then you know he's going to lose some power and he's going to have to you know eat some crow. Yeah. And but at this point, he really wasn't given much of a choice. It was it was it was either try it. And, and maybe you'll live, or don't try it, and you're definitely going to have your people turn on you. It, it really demonstrated exactly what kind of a political tactician Tom is. Yes. He was. Well, he knew he knew that if they took them out, that that was the end of it. it the, 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 the rebels were done with if they, if they took them out. Right. And so he, he was quite... He was quite... Uh, the only part about this episode that I wasn't really sure of, and I'm not sure I understood why it happened, but Ben was very... 
I don't know, withdrawn from the humans on this at this particular side. They were supposed to be allies. They were supposed to be what, friends. Well, I think what it, what it is is he'd spent so much time with the Skitters that he was probably starting to adapt to their way of thinking and their customs. Although, you know, I have to say, uh, on your suggestion, I bought one of those um, vertical... What are those things called? Oh, the inversion tables? The inversion tables. And and I have to say, the other day when I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm flipped upside down and I'm thinking to myself of that statement when, when, when Hal asked Ben, you don't sleep like that, do you? And he says, well, I tried it once, but the blood rushed to my head. Yeah. <laughs> Puts it all in perspective, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> I'm laying there and the blood's rushing to my head and I'm thinking, oh, well, I, I tried it once and uh, yeah. <laughs> True story. Back when I was in college, we had a guy that used to to sleep like that. Up, he, he would hang upside down from the pipes in the in the studies. The we had these study rooms in the basement of our dorm, and it, it, he'd hang like that upside down like a bat. Wow. His thing was it's like he suffered from nosebleeds, and he claimed that that stopped him. I'm like, how? How, how does that not force the blood s- out of your nose? Yeah, I've had some very serious nosebleeds in my entire life, but I can't imagine Well, with this case, it helping. always looked like an autopsy happened. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, me it was like a murder scene. Yeah, mine mine quite frequently would happen that way at the same time. So, But I, I can't imagine hanging upside down making it better, but, you know. Yeah, that, that's my point. It, but, you know. I mean, you, they always tell you to, to elevate the the wound to keep it from bleeding, and doing just the opposite exactly. it seems counterintuitive. But each to his own, I guess. Now, yeah, <laughs> that's episode nine. So no, we're, we're 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 in episode ten here. The skitter serpent, the skitters have shown up. They're doing the human shield. Okay. They've done the human shield. Um, I, 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 we get to this. We get to the spot where they decide they're going to go. They're they're going to go and blow up this device. I don't remember where they got the got all the information for it from. Red eye. Yes, red eye. Red, red eye's talking through Ben. They and they oh. outline the whole thing that says that the Overlord that they had in custody was the actual overall commander for military operations on the East Coast. And that they had they killed him, that that would have stunned it. Yeah, everything they're, they're that they did al- completely undermined their entire operation over here. And it would have been months and months before they had recovered. But that they knew where this new weapon was, and it was a game changer. It was going to, you know, fix the war for them, and blah, blah, blah. Now, you and I, and anyone else watching this, is thinking, okay, so this is a weapon to make the humans behave, to get them to listen, to take control of them, to blow them up, to whatever. The last thing on your mind is what the actual weapon was for. And what was it for? It was to shoot down the ships of the other aliens that were coming to help. Yeah, who saw that one coming? Who saw that? You don't even realize. You don't even realize it at the end of this episode. The only reason you realize it is because you got five years of, of episodes following it to realize why. 
Yeah. During the watching of this the first time, you have no clue. Yeah, the first, with that very last shot where, where the ship opens up and you get the new el- uh, the new alien pulls off his helmet and you're like, okay, we got a new player. And they don't tell you. They don't tell you nothing. That's the season finale is the these these giant um I don't even know what they're I've seen them in other in some other sci-fi show before. I want to, but they're like they're like um, giant spikes. They fly in from the atmosphere, all spread out all over the the surface of the of the Earth. They land, they crack open like eggs, and these aliens pop out. These new aliens, these new aliens pop off their masks, and voila, we have a new alien in the thing. And credits. You're like, oh, crap. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I was watching this from reruns, so I didn't have to wait for the next season. But that would have, that is, that was a very effective season finale. Yeah, because at that point, you, I mean, if you know that, that the overlords are basically putting their weapons out there to take down other ships, and then these other aliens show up, it's like, okay, do we basically have two sets of evil that we're going to get to pit off of each other now, or get caught in the middle of, or do we have a potential ally? Now, there are some other very significant things that happened during this during this episode that oh yeah that that you have to really take note of. First of all, die the guy we don't even know who he was, and chances are, if you're listening to this and you've watched it only one time, you probably don't even remember who Die was. Yeah, he, he was Die Billy Badass. He, he was Billy Badass. He was the guy that... He, he was their weapons guy. Yep. And and Die dies. He gets killed the end after 20 episodes. And I can remember when you and me were going back and writing and creating our notes to do this, to, to do these podcasts, we said, who is this? Yeah, I was like, who's Die? <laughs> Oh yeah, he's the cool guy. Yeah, but he had no character development. He had none, zero. That's why we didn't remember him after, after three more seasons. Yep. So, also we find out Doctor Glass is pregnant. Yep. She's been pregnant for like three months now. Well, no, no, wait, that was Maggie. Never mind. She's she's been pregnant for some length of time, but they. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 cross crossing that with Maggie's backstory. Ignore me. <laughs> okay, so so Anne is pregnant. Chances are she was she was pregnant at the hospital when they had all that downtime and they were sharing the room. Now here's something I don't understand about this episode. Now when the skitters showed up, the rebel skitters showed up. They explained to Tom and and, and his group that they can't go in and attack this new weapon because the um, fish head and the skitters will feel them coming and so therefore they want them to go do it because they can get close enough without being detected. Yeah, because the, the skitters have the harnesses still in them. Right. They, they so, basically they figured out a way to overcome them, but those harnesses can still be detected. Right. So they're basically tracking devices. Yeah, so they can connect to them. They can hear them coming. They can do all this now. What? And, and maybe you just answered my question. They were supposed to go in, and then all of a sudden something happened. I don't remember what it was. And Ben decided he was going to take them. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I think Ben might have been able to be detected also. At least he had in the past. But he's also very headstrong and wants revenge. This is another another great case in point of the smart kid acting stupid. Yeah, the thing is, is that the the attack that took place against the 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 um, that that part of it kind of puzzled me. I'm like, well, why is he leading him? Didn't he? Didn't he can, I, couldn't he be I detected? Think it was, I think it was basically he was saying he was doing it as a statement, saying, "Look, you guys had me." Now I'm I'm taking the fight to you. Well, I know why he wanted to do it, but what I was saying is that yeah, the uh, I was disturbed by the fact that they specifically stated that they can't go in and do it because they've been or are harnessed it, and yet ten minutes later in the series, Ben's leading the group in. Right, and I mean, ben, ben doesn't have the harness, and so it's, it's like basically he can he can. Connect. He can hear what they're saying on their on their skitter radio, but I don't know. Maybe he can't be be detected. Well, and and that's okay. Except as soon as the fight starts, who shows up? Oh God, who who was that? All the all the all the rebels. All, all, all the rebels come there and save them all. Remember? Right, right. Because you had the red eye jumped on the Overlord and. Was, basically clawed in space. Right. So oh. it, it it reminded me red eye red eye clawed into the the fish head's face kind of reminded me of, of an Ender's game when he uh in the book where they described him playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> it very much reminded me of it. I didn't think about that, but you're right. <laughs> Was um nice call. Yeah. So so that that kind of that kind of annoyed me because here they were and now I'm thinking okay well they got distracted and once they got distracted and they were in then they were able to pull up the rear and come flooding in but that wasn't how it was explained they explained it as we can't go anywhere near because they'll hear us coming and so what we want you to do is take two steps inside the door and then we'll come rushing in and help you yeah really? I, th- I think I think at that point what it was the humans needed to lead the first wave so that they couldn't benefit of the surprise they, yeah exactly. Once the surprise was blown and the attack was already underway, that's when the rebels could join in. Yeah, and, and, I, and I would agree with that, except when they got there, the intention was to place the explosives, leave, blow the place up. Yeah, so they I, went I to think start placing I, the explosives, and the bad guys showed up, and as soon as the bad guys showed up, the rebels were there to help. Right. And there that, was that, no time lag. Right. It was one of those cases where, okay, cover's blown. A little bit of a a little bit of a hole in the in the storyline there. Are they, I don't know. I, th- I think it works out. Uh, I think that there's no way they could have got that got there that quick to help them unless they were close enough to be detected. Otherwise, the element of surprise was still there. What was there? Fifteen seconds between them getting in and them showing up. No, because there was some monologuing in there. Uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think, it would I have to be one of those. I, it would have to be one of those things where the rebels actually saw the the overlords coming in. It could be, and then took off down the tunnels and in order to help them and 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 all that. That, that could be. I don't. I don't know. It, it it wasn't explained. All I know is it was explained that they couldn't be there because they would give it away. Right. And yet, 
as soon as the fight broke out, they were there. So plutonium. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it looked great on screen. It, it did. It, it turned out wonderful. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a bad episode. It was just one of those that after you're done, you're thinking, wait a minute, he said they couldn't do that. Not that they have a problem with them showing up, but had there been a 10-minute gap between then and yeah, there, it would have been they, like, hey, they told them through a radio and they came running down the aisle, but it, it was 15 seconds. It just run really fast. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> And, and maybe it wasn't 15 seconds. I mean, they did put them on those vines, and they did hang them in the the the, the for plant yeah, food or whatever the hell that, it was. That's what I'm saying. There was, there was plenty of monologuing there because Karen was sitting there just running her, running her gums up a storm. Yeah, could be. It could be, but it just uh, it, it it seemed awful odd to me that you know as soon as they broke their vines and started fighting back, oh here they are. Well, didn't they sense them coming? I mean, if they were sneaking up on them, it was... Didn't they sense them coming? Well, maybe they were distracted. It could be. With their prisoners. Could be. Either way. I mean, either way, the the finale on this one, it just really makes me looking forward to, 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 to season three. Oh, yeah. They, they, they pulled the ripcord on this. Yeah, they did. The, the Adding the new alien and making the weapon not a weapon that was used against the humans, but a weapon that was used to protect the planet from another race helping the humans. Which you don't know that until later. Actually, you never really know that at all. Well, that's because they, they really weren't helping us. They, they were basically... The, the only reason they got contact... We find that out next season. The only reason that they decided to make contact with us is because they realized, wait, maybe they aren't like all the other subjugated races we've seen. Right. They, these guys have promise. Yeah. And, and and you know, and then when we decide to stand up to them, they, they decide to bail on us also. But Of course. Either way, this really sets up next season because I'm, I'm really gray on what happened in season three. I really don't remember how it went from there to the very end of the series, but I know in the next three seasons there's a tremendous amount of of storytelling going on there. Yeah, because we, we get a lot of info dump on, on these new guys. Yeah. But they they really, they, they open up their culture. You know, it's it's good stuff. And, and, and at this point, you would like to say, and, and, and you already know how this is going to come out, so you know it's not going to change anything. But for those of you that are watching this as, as you go, you'd like to say, Tom knows what he's doing. Trust him. Just once. Trust him, please. Just once, except he's <laughs> overprotective of his kids at all the wrong moments. Yes. <laughs> that, that's his weakness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. But you know what? He draws a line, too. He doesn't say, hey, I want the whole world to go back and save my kids. He says, I'm leaving, and I'm going back to save my kids. So, I, a lot of the times, he's he's borderline, but when it comes down to it, he's... He does what any parent does. He just doesn't put the whole mass at risk, usually. Oh, yeah. I mean, let, let's let's be honest here. He is a better father in this than many shows that actually go out of their way to show you how good of a father the character is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the like all those old sitcom dramas, or sitcoms from, you know, na- name off any of them, like, 
Family Ties, The Cosby Show, yep. Father Knows Best, any of those shows. You know, they always have like the 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 Ward Cleaver model, if you will. Tom is like Father of the Year. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. And uh, no, you're no, you're absolutely right. There's no there's no question there. He's uh, but he's not perfect. And that's what I love about that. You know, that that is his Achilles heel. His greatest strength is his greatest weakness. Yeah. But and and he and that's what drives Pope is, you know, his ability to uh The difference Pope, is when Pope Pope is just jealous. Well, it's like he, not he's only sitting that, there going, Pope, "Okay, I'm as smart as this guy, but I don't have the credentials. I had a family like this guy, but not anymore." He, he's yeah. I mean, he's Pope gets pissed off at, at, at Tom, and he's not any different in in wanting to save them. The difference is, is Tom always seems to find a way to do it. Yeah. And Pope always seems to find a way to to get pissed off about it. Yeah, Pope really is the anti-Tom. He is the perfect foil. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was in my opinion this was the weaker season of the entire series. I, I yeah, as far as as far as forward momentum goes, I mean, it, they they put new things in place that they were going to build on, but they had to. It's like they pulled it back a little bit to put those those pieces in place. Yeah, it was it was a little slower paced. It was a little less. Um, and not necessarily that slower pace is bad. It's just there there has to be a reason. Like, you know, the the episode where Pope and, and Tom meet was kind of fairly slow pace, but it was a good slow pace. It was a huge amount of, of education for us going on. Well, and you had that tension. And you had the tension and everything. This was This was a bit different. I mean, it was a lot less direct... Um... I, I still go back to episode eight and think the episode with you know with Matt and the little girl could have been that whole episode could have either been eliminated and that element been incorporated somewhere else. Well, uh, what what it did is is set up things for the future because you got to really th- to really know that little girl through Matt. So. Then you're you're going to be dealing with other harness kids th- throughout the throughout the other seasons. Yeah. See, it's well, it's just it's dropping in the long game. And and that that I, I think that if if that episode was going to take place, to be honest with you, it should have been done before the Karen episode because they Probably. should have been extremely jittery. About anything going on with unharnessed kids at this point, yeah, especially ones that are unharnessed without being taken off the drugs. I mean, hello, I, I, that, that's kind of one of those signs, that, you know. Hey, the harness is gone or the harness is deactivated, and oh, by the way, you don't have to worry about the drugs because you know it didn't happen this time. Well, the very fact that we had all those corpses said that it did happen. That's the big warning sign for Karen. It's like you're not any different. What's the deal? Yeah. But yeah. in the heat of the emotion, you're not necessarily going to think about that. Certainly, Hal isn't. 
No, and and Karen that, should that's have. fine, but when it got Weaver to should the, have. when it got to the little girl. And truly that one from what we know, that truly was just an accident where her thing got deactivated. It, it was. The question becomes is if that's truly how it just got deactivated and then why didn't what? she OD? Why didn't Be- she freak out? Why was because she Because it it takes hours. It doesn't take hours when they took cut them off their back. It happened instantly. No, a lot, a lot of that, the the OD of the drug. No, you're right. You're right. It happened instantly. Well, so why well, didn't maybe, it happen to the little girl? That's well, maybe, maybe that's, feed was still working. But that's one of those elements of the uh, of the series that, as time goes by, it's just less. It's less and less um, paid attention to. It's one of those, you know, sometimes they bring up these things, and because it doesn't necessarily fit into the rest of the story, they just kind of let it fall by the wayside. Go yeah, it's, it's like the insulation on the engines. Or or, or the bullets. You yeah. Know, one episode, they got a bullet that shoots right through the dang things, and the next episode, they have to hit it with 89 shots in order to kill it. Yeah, exactly. Right, if the bullet shot right straight through it, probably two or three would take it out. Yeah, that's, that's probably the Achilles heel of this entire series, just yeah. convenience. But now, they but keep the it. character points going. Yes, they do. That said, it's still pretty damn good. It really is. Even this, even this series, which is where I was headed before, and I never got to finish because we always get sidetracked. But <laughs> even this being the weakest of the five seasons, still was a damn shot better than anything else on TV. It really was. The the last time, in my humble opinion, the last time we had a show this good was Babylon Five. Oh. Babylon 5. Or Stargate SG-1. Or Farscape. One of those three, yeah. See, I don't even rank Farscape that high. They were just, they were all just just fantastic. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Babylon 5. And unfortunately, Babylon 5, you got to cut the last season off of it. It's kind of like... Yeah, that, that was one of those cases where they were told they were going to run five years. They had the plan. Then they got canceled at the end of season four. They did their their series finale to wrap it all up. And then they said, oh, hey, this other network bought you for season five. <laughs> huh? You get to finish the story. Uh, except, that, okay. except at that point, they, they just had loose ends yeah. that they were tying up. Yeah. They did the same thing with Andromeda. Andromeda, that was the one I was trying to think of. I kept thinking, I kept thinking. And that one they did wrap up and had to just make something up for the fifth season. Well, and it, yeah, and unfortunately, it was. It's one of those. It's. Uh, I, I I my one of my pet peeves is if you have a show called uh, Andromeda, um, the ship should be part of the storyline on a daily basis. Well, the reason they couldn't do that is because. The actress got pregnant. Don't matter to me. They should have had her not be visible and only her voice could be seen or something else, but you can't just get rid of the ship that the, star, that the thing is about. Well, that's why they were they were able to, to do her face at, at a couple of points. And they had the the kind of surrogate thing going on, but yeah, but they they did they weren't actually out in the ship anymore. They were living on a damn planet. I mean, it just it yeah. was just just silly. It, the whole the whole fifth season was just silly. It just, well, they had to work with the aftermath of what they put in place in season four. Yep. Which was, for all intents and purposes, their finale. Yep. 
I don't know. I, I, I think that the, the writers could have found some creative way to screw up one episode and bring it bring some semblance of a good story back. But they well, I tell you, if, if you go back and watch it, it actually plays better once you know what to expect. When, when you're watching uh, it new, it, it drives you nuts because you're wondering where, where the heck the show went. But it, it plays really well on DVD. I, I don't know. I... I have this pet peeve, you know, if the show's called Andromeda and it's about a ship and the ship's taken out of the show, that, that it bothers me. If you have a movie called, uh, let me think, uh, Pearl Harbor, and it's about a couple getting married and falling in love instead of out, about, you know, let's say maybe the 15 minutes of the place getting blown up. Well, the flip side of that is if you look at Star Trek Three, The Search for Spock, where was the Enterprise? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Well, they blew it up. So you get to Star Trek Four. There's no Enterprise. Well, and you know they they had this this same problem with the the show Enterprise, and they fixed it. And you know how they fixed it? They sent them the hell out. They kept coming back home to back home to Earth and back home to Earth and back home to Earth, and they were like living on Earth. And I'm like, how is this Star Trek? And then all of a sudden, psh, they had to leave. And then the show got good. Well, they they kept having to to break the chains of the Vulcan Council. Yep. They, the Vulcans were really stifling them. But I tell you what, that season four is amazing. That is some of the best Star Trek we've had since the original series. Well, that said, we have completed our ten episodes. We did. Welcome back no, to Falling Skies. Welcome back to Falling Skies, season two. <laughs> um, we could sit here and talk all night about other shows and other things, but we probably shouldn't. Um, and season three, it looks like it's going to be two weeks. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like now. Don't hold us to it. Maybe. Probably. Could be. Should be on my end. Should be on my end. But you know how that goes. Yeah. Life happens. Life happens. So, um... I look forward to season three, though. I, I think this is this has been set up fantastically. I think it's just been and and knowing that it's just going to get better from here is really going to be a, a, a real gift. It, it's going to be a fun, fun ride to see how they put the pieces all in place again. I love and, it. Yep, I love it too. And on that note, we are out of here. We will see you next time for season three. 